Like the office they commemorate, presidential libraries are living institutions. Certainly it is my hope that the Reagan Library will become a dynamic intellectual forum where scholars interpret the past and policymakers debate the future. Welcome to a Reagan Forum, hosted by the Ronald Reagan Presidential Foundation and Institute. The Center for Public Affairs offers lectures and forums presenting perspectives on important public policy issues of the day from politicians, authors, members of the media, business and military leaders, and more. It's November, and of course, November is the month to celebrate Thanksgiving. And from all of us at the Ronald Reagan Presidential Foundation and Institute, we wish you and your family the happiest and healthiest of Thanksgivings. In this week's Reagan Forum podcast, we're going back to our 2018 Words to Live By podcast, featuring President Reagan's thoughts and messages to the American people on Thanksgiving. Let's listen. Welcome to Words to Live By, a podcast series hosted by the Ronald Reagan Presidential Foundation and Institute. Each week, we will share some of the wit and wisdom of Ronald Reagan, in essence, words to live by. And the content is made up of radio addresses and speeches he delivered from the 1960s through the 1980s. In this week's podcast, we celebrate Thanksgiving. President Reagan said in 1981, America has much for which to be thankful. The unequaled freedom enjoyed by our citizens has provided a harvest of plenty to this nation throughout its history. In keeping with America's heritage, one day each year is set aside for giving thanks to God for all of his blessings. We'll start today's podcast by listening to President Reagan's 1988 radio address to the nation on the celebration of Thanksgiving Day. My fellow Americans, over 350 years ago, a small band of pilgrims, after gathering in their first harvest Plymouth colony, invited their friends and neighbors who were Indians to join them in a feast of Thanksgiving. Together they sat around their bountiful table and bowed their heads in gratitude to the Lord for all he had bestowed upon them. This week, so many years later, we too will gather with family and friends and after saying grace, carve up a turkey, pass around the cranberries and dressing, and later share slices of pumpkin pie. We Americans have so much for which to be thankful. Think of the great expanse of our nation, the rolling hills of our immense farmland. Even in years of drought, as this year has been, the plows and the sweat of America's farmers call forth from our good earth more food than we can possibly eat. So much food that taken together, our harvests of wheat, corn, soybeans, fruits, vegetables, and all the other bounty of our land make up one of our most important exports. Not only we, but the entire world can be thankful for that. Millions of children across all the continents are happier, healthier, and stronger because of America's farmers. Now, think of our manufacturing centers. After almost a decade of hard, often painful work, cultivating our industrial fields to meet a whole new generation of world competition, this year we can see the first harvest of that work. Almost every American industry is zipping along at near full capacity. A few years ago, journalists were calling the Midwest the Rust Belt. Now, the Boom Belt would be more like it. From Lehigh Valley and eastern Pennsylvania to Dayton and Detroit and beyond, the factory whistles again sound in the old factory towns, and we hope They'll blow soon where they don't now. By the way, 
Often those whistles are at the plants of entirely new companies, providing new products and services to the nation and to the world. In the past year, America added 425,000 new manufacturing jobs. And when it comes to world competition, no one can stop us now. And that's not only the only good news. According to one of the foremost authorities in manufacturing, Peter Drucker, the old myth about low wages and low manufacturing costs may be dead for good. In this age of high technology factories, highly paid skilled workers, America's kind of workers, produce so efficiently that no one can touch them. That's why it's gratifying but not surprising to find out that America's manufacturing productivity has grown at one and a half times the post-war average during our expansion. And that's why this year, even as European and Japanese manufacturing employment has stagnated, our manufacturing employment has increased. But prosperity is not an end in itself. It helps us pay attention to the more important things, raising our children as we want them to be raised, helping others in need, and bringing nations together in peace. This week, world peace has been very much on my mind. Here in Washington, we've received visits from two of America's friends, Britain's Prime Minister Margaret Thatcher and Germany's Chancellor Helmut Kohl. In our meetings, these two great leaders and I talked about the prosperity that all the nations of the industrial world enjoy and about the cuts in taxes and the return to the principles of the free market that have made it possible. And we talked about the success over the past eight years of our policy of peace through strength. Yes, peace is another thing for which we can say a prayer of gratitude over the dinner table on Thursday. Peace and abundance in this land that God has kissed. We will give thanks for these and one thing more, our freedom. Yes, in America, freedom seems like the air around us. It's there. It's a sweep, though we rarely give it a thought. Yet, as the air fills our lungs, freedom fills our souls. It gives breath to our laughter and joy. It gives voice to our songs. It gives us strength as we race for our dreams. Think of those around the world who cannot bow their heads in prayer without risking their lives. Think of those countries where to write an honest word or even to own a child's simple toy printing press is a crime. Think of how many countries where to dream of striking out on your own and starting a business is to take a chance not on a better life for yourself and your children, but on a long stay in a prison cell. And then think of how blessed we are to be Americans. Yes, as we gather together this Thanksgiving to ask the Lord's blessings, as we, of whatever faith we are, give praises to His name, let us thank Him for our peace, prosperity, and freedom. Happy Thanksgiving, and until next week, thanks for listening, and God bless you. More from President Reagan's address after this message. The Ronald Reagan Presidential Foundation is the nonprofit organization created by President Reagan himself and specifically charged by him with continuing his legacy and sharing his principles, individual liberty, economic opportunity, global democracy, and national pride. We must remain vigilant and work together to share these conservative principles with younger generations. Your role is critical to move our mission forward Thank you for your continued support. Please visit reaganfoundation.org give. That's reaganfoundation.org give.
Although peace was the theme of the 1988 Thanksgiving radio address you just heard, many other of his Thanksgiving remarks centered around volunteerism. Going back to 1981, President Reagan said, Thanksgiving has become a day when Americans extend a helping hand to the less fortunate. Long before there was a government welfare program, this spirit of voluntary giving was ingrained in the American character. Americans have always understood that truly, one must give in order to receive. This should be a day of giving as well as a day of thanks. Continuing the theme of volunteerism, let's now listen to his November 22, 1986 address. My fellow Americans, this coming Thursday, we'll celebrate a holiday that belongs uniquely to our nation, Thanksgiving Day. Millions of us will travel from all parts of the country to gather in family homes, observing the holiday according to long-standing tradition, turkey with all the fixings, pumpkin pie, laughter, the warmth of family love, and yes, a moment of prayer to give thanks. Yet at the same time, many among us will be less fortunate. And just as Thanksgiving Day has always been an occasion for counting our blessings, so too it's always been a time for making life better among our fellow Americans. In churches and synagogues across the country, for example, food will be collected in the next few days for distribution to the needy or on Thanksgiving Day itself. And with this spirit of thanksgiving in mind, I thought I'd speak with you for a moment this afternoon about the goodness of the American people and our willingness to give each other a helping hand. The spirit of volunteerism is deeply ingrained in us as a nation. Maybe it has something to do with our history as a frontier land. Those early Americans who gave us Thanksgiving Day itself had to help each other in order to survive, joining together to plant crops, build houses, and raise barns. And perhaps they discovered that in helping others, their own lives were enriched. In our own day, a poll showed most Americans believe that no matter how big government gets, and no matter how many services it provides, it can never take the place of volunteers. In other words, we Americans understand that there are no substitutes for gifts of service given from the heart. In our recent history, there was a time not long ago when this spirit seemed endangered when philanthropy and personal involvement were giving way to bureaucratic plans and federal programs. So when our administration took office, we made it one of our main aims to encourage private sector initiatives, to reinvigorate the American tradition of volunteerism. And I have to admit, our success in this area is one of the accomplishments of which I'm most proud. For in the past few years, we've witnessed an unprecedented outpouring of the volunteer spirit a tremendous reassertion of goodwill and neighborliness. Last year alone, individuals, corporations, bequests, and foundations gave nearly $80 billion to good causes, a record high. You can see these volunteer efforts all around. Consider the United Way, founded a century ago next year. Today, there are more than 2,200 local United Ways in communities throughout the country. Just last year, the United Way raised more than $2.3 billion, supported more than 37,000 health and human care agencies and programs, and served millions of families. In 1958, for example, Dr. William Walsh asked President Dwight Eisenhower for the use of an old hospital ship, mothballed after World War II. Ike provided that ship, charging rent of just $1 a year, and Dr. Walsh 
turned the old ship into Project Hope, a seaborne hospital and medical school that traveled the world. Today, Project Hope has been modernized and medical volunteers travel by plane, recently to El Salvador to help with the after effects of the devastating earthquake. Then there's Just Say No, a largely volunteer organization that's teaching children around the world to say no to drugs. This organization got started when Nancy was visiting an elementary school in California. A little girl asked what to do if someone offered her drugs. Nancy's answer was simple, just say no. Well, not long ago, Nancy hosted a Just Say No rally here at the White House. More than 2,300 children attended. Although Just Say No requires school officials, teachers, and especially parents to devote to it a great deal of time, Nancy told me that everyone she spoke to at the rally was convinced that it's not only worth it, but of vital importance for the future. Local efforts may be less well-known than major undertakings like Just Say No and Project Hope, but they're the very heart and soul of the American volunteer spirit. Many of you will be able to think of good works being performed in your own communities. I think of a house for the homeless here in Washington, founded by a young priest, Father Jack Fonestale, and sustained by his own hard work and that of volunteers, McKenna House offers shelter, food, and human concern for the homeless men right here in our nation's capital. Of course, we must do more, striving always to give of ourselves to those less fortunate. But it's good to reflect that here in America, perhaps more than in any other nation on earth, we have a tradition of giving, of neighbor helping neighbor, that makes life better for tens of thousands every day. And for this, too, on Thanksgiving Day, let us give thanks. Until next week, thanks for listening. God bless you. Whatever the theme of his Thanksgiving radio address was, President Reagan always looked to his faith and thanked God for his blessings. In 1981, he finished his remarks by saying, As we celebrate Thanksgiving in 1981, we should reflect on the full meaning of this day as we enjoy the fellowship that is so much a part of the holiday festivities. Searching our hearts, we should ask what we can do as individuals to demonstrate our gratitude to God for all He has done. Such reflection can only add to the significance of this precious day of remembrance. Let us recommit ourselves to that devotion to God and family that has played such an important role in making this a great nation and which will be needed as a source of strength if we are to remain a great people. Thank you for listening. For more information on the Ronald Reagan Presidential Foundation and Institute, including information on how to become a member, information on upcoming exhibits at the Reagan Library, and more information on the legacy of President Reagan, please visit reaganfoundation.org. Until next week, thanks for listening, and God bless you. Don't forget to subscribe to the Words to Live By podcast in your iTunes or Google Play stores and on other podcast platforms as they become available. New episodes of Words to Live By come out every Tuesday. Like what you hear? Check out our A Reagan Forum podcast featuring great speeches delivered at the Reagan Library. New episodes drop every Thursday. And... 
Don't forget to follow at Ronald Reagan on Facebook, at Ronald Reagan 40 on Twitter, and Reagan Foundation on YouTube. Also, search for us on SoundCloud and Stitcher.